You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Flipping Tables, episode 131. I am one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I am Michael Edwards. And uh, we have a little bit of listener follow-up that I just wanted to thank. Uh, This is actually me thanking you guys uh, who took the time to reach out on Twitter and and a few other channels to say, like, hey, I made it that far in the episode. (laughs) I was like, yay, they answered Mike's call. (laughs) Our little buried treasure. (laughs) Um, And then uh, one listener in particular did say that not only did they make it that far in the episode, but you, Mike, completely turned them off from ever going to San Diego Comic-Con. Well, that's nice to hear. (laughs) (laughs) You've done good in the world. Uh, This particular person, I guess, uh, goes to a few different cons and was like, yeah, I can barely handle those like small regional jobs. (laughs) So... Your description yeah. just totally shut them down. I mean, I don't like if you really want to get something signed, and you know your favorite, you know, actor is going to be there. Go have fun, but I'm really good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I like your your hedging your bet a little bit. Like I don't want to say no one should go. I'm just saying that anyone who goes is dumb. <laughs> um, and then uh, this is this is kind of like half a topic and half follow up, uh, but apparently. And you didn't know this since you didn't actually go to San Diego Comic-Con. You were just near <laughs> it. Um, they announced a game called Sonic Mania. Uh, why Sega felt like this was the appropriate venue is probably a different discussion. But it's uh, it was described by one of the people involved in the project as, what if we had made a 2D Sonic game but on the Sega Saturn's hardware? Yeah. And there is a release trailer. This is a game that absolutely exists. And you have to swear that they used that title before, Sonic Mania. It just sounds like one they've already released, even though... It sounds like a crappy mobile game. Yeah. I think deep down, a lot of people were like, why did we burn DLC Sonic 4? Levels and- yeah, it's it, it, or like a mashup game. Yeah, it, it's just, it doesn't sound like a great title, but it looks fantastic. Yeah. And I saw a couple of like playthrough videos where, you know, just randos at Comic-Con got to play through it. And they were all just like salivating into the microphone. Like, oh, oh my God, you guys. When you're like, you watch the trailer and you're waiting for that moment we've all had to wait for for the past 20 years of Sonic games, which is. 22, I think, by our calculation. Which is after 30 seconds of this looks awesome, they go, and then we give him a gun or a sword (laughs) or the view switches to this. And you have to, and you're just like, no. The weird thing about that is neither of those were exaggerations. Like they did, well, it was Shadow the Hedgehog, yeah, that got the gun. But then there's like the other like pseudo werewolf one and the God, (laughs) just just total trash fire. Yeah, but uh, there's there's a few little things like you know Sonic, like that was my jam. You know, like friend of the show Benji, like Mega Man, clearly his jam. I would say, like, out of the like the Mega Man, Mario, Sonic trifecta, would you say Mario is probably yeah. mostly? Yeah. So, you know, playing Sonic 4, like, when that first came out and I bought episode one, I was, like, like head in hands, like, on the verge <laughs> of tears. Like, all you had to do was make another of a game you'd already made, <laughs> but with 3D graphics, and I would have just kept giving you money. But you couldn't do that, could you, Sega? No. (laughs) 
So this looks, I mean, it's, it's pixel art, but it's like super HD pixel It's like art. you said, Sega Saturn, which even of the PS1 era was famous for having better 2D power yeah. packed in, which was their bad gamble at the time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't blame the, the Sega team for going 3D at first and seeing that as like, oh, this is the future. What I blame them for is then like eight years later still yeah. releasing like garbage heap after garbage heap yeah. of Sonic games. Well, and Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 have their merits, not as traditional Sonic games and maybe not in perpetuity will they be fun, <laughs> um, mainly because the in-between level segments are so painful. Um, was there like an overworld? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just and there was n- nothing important accomplished except which NPC gets me to the next level, and it was just <sighs> horrific. But the the actual you know quick time event running with Sonic was pretty fun at the time. It's just when you know the fifteenth of that game with like crappy pointlessly like the guns <laughs> and the sword, and like you're just yeah. like okay, stop it, and stop. Werewolves. stop. I I do think it's even for someone who's not a gamer, I think it's an interesting design problem to say for movies or TV shows or I don't know fashion. Like you can't just like I don't literally want a game made in the Sonic One engine because there were like frame rate issues yeah. and like sometimes there'd be too much stuff on the screen and it would like bog way down. And he didn't have like any of the cool power ups he got in like Sonic Two and Sonic Three. I guess to a lesser extent, Sonic and Knuckles, but it's, I do kind of want more of the same and I do kind of want them to like do something new, but they, there was a lot of low hanging fruit where in the last 10 years, after all the failed 3d ones or less popular 3d ones, they could have said, let's do this like as a 2d thing and then experiment in like subtler ways. But instead they were like, 3D, uh, different camera. Uh, he falls in love with a teenage girl for some reason. <laughs> yeah. um, Let's he put can, a big cat that has to fish. <laughs> yeah, he can turn into a werewolf. There's monsters that come out of eggs, and it's like a, a mini game. Like there's just <laughs> just nonsense. Like so you thick, you thick. can't change that much at once. Yeah, and and they. Each game, they were like, okay, now burn all of that to the ground and try ten new ridiculous things yeah. all at once. And then Sonic Four was. The only thing they went back on was like, let's make it 2D, except all of the other things won't be the way you remember, and it yeah. won't be fun, and the controls and UX is totally different. So, Yeah, and my, as far as I'm concerned, there hasn't been a transcendently good Sonic game since Sonic 3, and maybe you include Knuckles as just all one big package. Yeah, <laughs> six months apart, but they were essentially like, That was peak, set. peak Sonic. It was. And... and I'm tr- I really don't want to get my heart broken again, <laughs> but I have to admit, I'm like, I'm looking forward. They said spring 2017 in the release trailer, which of course is linked in the show notes, <laughs> which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 131, but which it's a uh, 917 days. It's <laughs> the number of weeks in a day. I'm, I'm so afraid, Mike, I'm going to get my heart broken <laughs> anyway. Um, Onto the show proper, but it's still kind of in like the video game realm is uh, Nintendo Power, which we both had a subscription to. Yeah. Now the entire run of it is going to be on archive.org. 
for seemingly no reason other than like, wouldn't this be awesome? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it would be awesome. And is this like, clearly this is legal because like Nintendo would just slap that down immediately if they could, right? Because that's kind yes. of their MO. <laughs> is their entire um, thing. I noticed, so I, I went ahead and started browsing, which is awesome because you can you don't even have to download to browse. They have a web viewer that's pretty great. And you, it has a page flip animation, but it's not egregious. It's <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and you can full screen it. So, um, I mean, a lot of these come as comic book files. And they have like a million download options, but... Um, these are high res scans, so like a single magazine will be several hundred megabytes easily, and so it's really nice that you can just browse in the web if you really just want to go down memory lane but not commit your whole SSD to it. Uh, you can hop around. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I assume these are high res scans, but like I'm just flipping through the uh, issue number ten from uh, January February of 1990 which had the Jack Nicholson Joker on the cover. <laughs> uh, and the layout is so perfect. I almost wonder if this is like what they sent to print. Well, I've seen a lot of them have the very last pages retro mags, which is, was a site that was doing this work of scanning them in. So I'm pretty oh, okay. sure they're just like, they have a really good scanner and okay. they're, they're just really, so, really premium job. So someone found like, mint copies and painstakingly and lovingly scanned yeah. every single page maybe even did some photoshop work to you know the curve at the binding to like, yeah because there's none or of maybe that. destapled it so they could get like a perfect flat scan but this is what i'm saying is i mean these look like proofs you would send to the print shop yeah. this is the army of geeks that uh disney needs to set on restoring the original star wars trilogies <laughs> without <laughs> special edition crap because they will do that work for free true. i'm not saying they should do it for free but people absolutely would like get out there nerds make everything better for us yeah um they and it's also worth noting they have a lot of other magazines too not comprehensively literally every issue but if you were an egm or game pro or game players or i think next generations even on there um, or you like you always saw those magazines and were like, man, I wish I could just have all the magazines. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you, you can. can. <laughs> go. Um, and one of the best parts is the old ads, man. The video game advertising was crazy in the nineties. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, like MTV generation, yeah, like crazy neon colors, and <laughs> jokes about sex. Hey, I found one of the Mario lots comics. Of, awesome. Lots of male gaze. Lots of using sex to sell. Oh yeah. Was it the original Game Boy? That had the woman tied up on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, I mean, I'm sure as like an 11 year old, I was probably like, eh, but I didn't know any, like, you don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't understand. If you're dumb enough to think that's funny, you're hopefully young enough to not really understand it. <laughs> and if you're old enough to really understand it and still think it's funny, then like, you're kind of a jerk. Well, and like a lot of the portables would do an ad where it's like, you know, what's that in your pocket? Are you happy to see me kind of thing? It's like, yeah. no, it's the Game Boy Pocket fits and whatever. <laughs> oh, man, this, I'm sorry. I can't stop flipping through these. <laughs> I just, so we talked, uh, what, I guess it would have been two weeks ago now uh, when you were out. Uh, Matt and I talked about, like, do people really think the Internet is, like, a permanent thing? Like, is that a myth that's going around? <laughs> and I hadn't at the time considered that, Aside from creating something natively on the internet, how long is it going to last and how long is that URL valid and how long is that resource recoverable? The internet has 
one of the things it's actually best at is breathing life into long dead things and then sharing them with the masses. Because, I mean, this archive.org collection, and I I assume this is true for all archive.org stuff, but I'm actually not positive, but you can download every single one of these in like 10 different formats that work on you know, some open formats like EPUBs and some closed formats like the CBZ, I think is like, there's only certain viewers that'll play those easily, but you can like, you can just have all of these right now. Or just a zip of the JPEGs. Like, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, you, any, any rando could just go on here and be like, I want all of Nintendo power in me right now. And and they (laughs) they can just do that. Whereas if you wanted to, like, I love these comics. I'm going to, it's safe space, right? Everybody listening. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I have torrented copies of the Super Mario Brothers comic and the Link to the Past comic that were in Nintendo Power because I just, like, I want them. Like, I just, but they're just, it's it's a huge folder of JPEGs. Yeah. And now this is, like, a legal, safe, usable way to get all that stuff. Like, this is amazing. Even though this might not be around forever, like, I want want stuff like this to exist. (laughs) Huge nostalgia trip. And, I mean, it even just makes me think about, like, not to be grandpa, get off my lawn, but like I, I don't really want a return of video game magazines or like or I have to buy news about what games are coming out. But I do miss some of the form of shared culture that a Nintendo Power kind of had for school and just like, oh man, did you see whatever that new Simon's Quest cheat code? Like, <laughs> and like, I mean, you can get that other ways nowadays, but it doesn't feel as like centrally, culturally located anymore it's dispersed so yep you, you go to different communities on the internet and to, to be sure there's huge thriving gamer communities on reddit and other websites but there, there's something in me that's like man there was something special about nintendo power era well in the i mean let's just continue this grandpa get off my lawn <laughs> kind of vein of thinking is if you are a, a, a young person today in like a public school and you are really active on like a Reddit gaming community, you don't carry that around with you in a way that's obvious. Whereas if you had like a Nintendo Power like rolled up in your pocket like Biff from Back to the Future, or <laughs> if it was like in your backpack or something, that was kind of you're sort of like letting your freak flag fly. Like yeah. people could look and be like, You're you're part of my like in group. You know, I mean like you have an N sixty four T shirt on right now. Sure do. I mean you literally like anyone who sees you in public can make some pretty safe assumptions about (laughs) about your hobbies, right? But if you were just super active on like R slash N sixty four, they they don't see that. So there's there's a little bit of a uh when you go out into the, the world, you don't carry some of the digital artifacts around with you the way you do with, with physical artifacts. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm completely derailed by this ridiculous Mega Man 3 cover again. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's impossible to draw Mega Man. It's just like... <laughs> it can't be done. There's some like curse on him that otherwise amazing artists just suddenly their <laughs> arms won't behave while they try to there's only good fan art of Mega Man. no official <laughs> yeah. Mega Man art is ever any good so i'm actually we linked to the archive but i'm going to link to this specific cover in the show notes just because everyone needs to see this terrible <laughs> terrible picture of Mega Man. like they got that he wasn't a normally proportioned man but then they proceeded to go you know picasso melting clocks <laughs> <laughs> on part of his face and part of Rush's face too. Yeah. 
Oh god, it's so terrible. Um, anything else to say about the Nintendo archive? No, it's good. Do, do you want to just spend some time gazing into the horror <laughs> that is this picture? And he's sort of looking at Rush like he's sad that they're both melting into some sort of goo. And oh my god, his hand is like a hoof. I need, <laughs> you, you need to bring this up right now and okay. explain to me what is happening. So he obviously has like the, the mega cannon hand, right? The the mega blaster. Mega buster. Buster cannon. Oh, jeez. Mega buster hand. and uh, But his other one, look at it. It's like a hoof. <laughs> Those are not fingers. That is some kind of robot cloven hoof. <laughs> Bless you, sir. <laughs> oh, my God. That is... Wow. <laughs> you just had to draw a fist. Right? It just needed to be a blue fist. Just literally a featureless circle would have been a better... <laughs> it's almost like, I don't know, like a controller female port that's going <laughs> to get plugged into a console. Who is... I know you're not like a huge comics guy, but do you remember the name of the guy that the joke is he doesn't know how to draw feet? Oh, I, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Liz something... Is it, it's not Jack something, is it? Uh, I'm going to do some live Googling. Yeah, but I just... It, somebody put like 10 of his covers like side by side and the feet are always like vanishing off into Rob the... Lefield or Lefeld 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 Leifeld. yeah anyway there's a website I'll add to the show notes that has the 40 worst Rob Lefeld drawings <laughs> but yeah he's so bad at feet that he just made up excuses to yeah, not but... like they're hidden behind something yeah. always and in every a- scene apple box in front of him or they're the characters coming at the camera, so their feet are just like a little wispy triangle, like yeah. a like a kid wearing a onesie that's too big for them. But also very famously bad at female proportions, and like whatever cliche you have about comic book females, this is like times a thousand. Like it's not just an hourglass figure; <laughs> it's a physically impossible like hoop of woman that like <laughs> droops in different directions. <laughs> it was a. Uh, you remember the the show Aeon Flux? Yeah, I I could not get into that show just based strictly on the art style. Like I, no one, men or female, like nobody looks like that. It's they're like terrible, terrifying uh, Barbie people come to life. Yeah, I'm gonna send you this picture of, from the top of this blog post so you can live react. Oh my! So we're just gonna we're just gonna just, hear lions just react in, in Slack. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, I don't know which character that is, but what the way the chest? How did this man find work? (laughs) Man worked for decades. Um, No, this is terrifying. She's wearing a string of pouches where her stomach should be, but could not possibly (laughs) be. And both her thighs and forearms are larger than her abdomen. She has a big old ass and torpedo tits, <laughs> and I genuinely think that when Rob finished drawing her, he sat back, frowned, looked over his friend, and said, yikes, sorry, guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. I mean, uh, drawing is hard, right? Like, I couldn't do better than this, but I'm also not employed as a professional comic book artist. Well, isn't like just because a professional inker and colorist came in and finished, the, the the core drawing is garbage. It yeah. doesn't matter that the rest is professionally sheened. And, and, and you've, you've got to know that the whole time that inker and, and whoever filled in the color was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh, that is some... Uh... Yeah, we're going to direct URL to this image, too. <laughs> yes. I'm going to 
throw that in our show yeah. notes. Oh man. So terrifying art and nostalgia trips aside. This is when we need a video show. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I tend to think we do a pretty good job of not being like, if you direct your attention over here to this thing I'm <laughs> holding up, like it's always something we can put in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about something exciting that has happened finally in my life. Google has added family sharing. And this should not be as big of a deal as it is. <laughs> finally. <laughs> but finally, yes. And it's, uh, let me think. It's, um, actually, I could probably just look right at their blog post. It's apps, games, movies, TV shows, or books. Like anyone buys books on <laughs> Come on, Google. Who are you kidding? Um, but I honestly don't really care about the apps. Games are apps, so that's an yeah. unnecessary distinction. <laughs> but I don't really care about either of those things, and certainly not the Google books. But like, I buy uh, some movies occasionally on Google Play, or I'll, I'll get like a free one because we have Chromecast or something, and it always goes on my account. And we have a bunch of Disney movies that have the... Uh, like the Disney Anywhere thing. Disney Anywhere is partnered with Google Play. So instead of having a dedicated Disney Anywhere app, all that stuff shows up in Google Play. Nice. So, super convenient. Except it's all tied to my account and only my account. So if I'm not here or if I don't have my phone handy or whatever and Susan wants to watch something she knows full well we have in Google Play, just like, well, I guess I'll just wait for David to come <laughs> back and play it for me. Like the the uh, so you're not the a password sharing no <laughs> no no no. I, first off, I think that's absurd. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show or not, but there are certain boundaries that no matter how interwoven your relationship is, you're allowed to keep. I don't want to know her Facebook account password. I don't want her <laughs> to know mine. I don't want to be able to get into her email. I don't want to be able to get into mine. Like I just I see no good that can ever come from that. Um, <laughs> And from the the techie nerd side, I refuse to be one of those people who's like, well, I have to buy this on the shared Google account. That's like... Yeah, you have this extra dummy account. The Lions family at gmail.com just for buying stuff and uploading photos. Like, no, that is not the right technological (laughs) solution to this problem. So we've always just had separate everything. And now, finally, they recognize, like, there might be other people in your house. (laughs) <laughs> Imagine that. You're not just some yuppie in San Francisco that eats sushi every night. <laughs> no, and uses my watch to open my garage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so this is, uh, the more I thought about it, first off, let me say, when I turned this on, I was like really concerned because nothing happened. It's so, like I turned it on, which also didn't happen right away. It like took a minute to roll out. But, you know, the next morning or whatever, I turned it on and I told Sue, I was like, you know, open up Google Play Movies and see if you can see, like, all the stuff in my collection. And she opened it and she was like, nope, blank wall. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe it, like, takes a little while to propagate. And then, like, 10 minutes later, she was like, oh, there it is. So that's that's quick enough. That's fine. Yeah. And it, I've actually bought a couple episodes of a TV show since then and she got them instantly. So that's fine. I have no complaints there. Um, but this just doesn't seem like something... I should have been waiting on. Like, yeah, should have already had it. Yeah, and and I think that this is well. This is this is because of content deals. Like, oh, certainly. Yeah, there's. They probably had the idea long ago. Um, I mean, 
Apple's had it for a little while too, and it's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't entirely blame Google here, although who knows how hard they were pushing for this, yeah. right? This may have been something they knew was possible, but we're like, meh. But it's my my concern for people in general, because I mean I'm I'm pretty happy in my marriage to Google, but like, you know, you, you're an Apple family, right? You buy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, if you buy a movie, you buy it through yeah. iTunes. So now, like, if you want to change, you're also committing everyone in your family to change. Yeah. And that makes the inertia that much harder. Now, instead of, like, a one-car train, it's a yeah. five-car train. You know, it's it's this actually ropes you in a little bit more yeah. even though it at least feels like, like it's giving you freedom the tv device like we're yeah. gonna have an apple tv hooked up whatever else i don't really watch movies on anything else even though i have an abundant supply of <laughs> apple devices maybe i've watched on the ipad pro because it's a really damn good screen too. sure but it's like that wouldn't concern me if there was like you know imagine a world where there was a better pro tablet and <laughs> i decided that's where i want to throw my chips in there'd be no qualms with like eh, i'll get the better tablet and right who cares about movie watching but cuz i'd still have netflix and hbo and hulu well, yeah. and it'd yes. just be and like oh i just don't have those certain movies <laughs> but at least with google if i may fanboy out for a minute like i'm able to do this from an ios device because yeah. it's google and google doesn't care yeah. but if you get locked into like amazon stuff you're kind of, like they play a little bit in other companies but they didn't not, make a apple tv app <laughs> yeah and then apple is obviously the most conservative like no you have to use our software on our hardware yeah. generally they did make that terrible move to ios android app <laughs> um and there's apple music i guess yeah but this is not really a very open playing field and Google at any time could be like, we changed our mind. We're not going to support this anymore on iOS. And then you're just like, ah, my family share stuff. I don't want to switch to Android just because my, you know, parents have Android phones and I want to watch a TV show they bought. This is why I'm always rooting for a third party option. Even if I don't choose it, I just want it to be there keeping people honest um, and so, like, I, I'm now back on Spotify completely. Um, I'm, the main reason I was on Apple Music was because Shelby wanted to be on Apple Music, and I was like, I don't want to pay full premium price on different <laughs> services, so we did the family plan. But uh, Apple's family plan is tied to your iTunes store, like, credit card, uh, which means I can't invite friends unless right. I want them to be able to use my credit card to buy things. And Google Play is exactly the same. Yeah, which I'm not... Like, I understand that they didn't really invent their family plan so that a bunch of friends could freeload on things. <laughs> um, but since Spotify isn't attached to any other ecosystem, that's exactly what I can do, which I'm publicly confessing right now. <laughs> and so I, it's nice because the Spotify family plan is 15 bucks a month and six slots. So me, Shelby, four friends. Do you have all four of those slots filled? Yep. <laughs> yes, you and do. so we spend five bucks a month on Spotify Premium, each getting our own account. Right. And then my friends spend 15 bucks every six months. So, because I don't want to get two fifty from them every month. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so I wonder if you're Spotify and you have this, you know that this is happening, like, do you care? Like is this they really could prevent it? The the only like, but is it any different than if it was the two of you and your four children? 
they're still getting exactly the same amount of money for the exactly the same amount of hammering on their servers. Yeah. I mean, the it's always that torrenting argument of like, would these friends have been customers if they didn't have this deal? And I think most of them would not be buying Spotify Premium. And the reason they're willing to get in is because of this family split. Because yeah, it costs them $2 a month. Yeah, two fifty. Yeah. Yeah, I... But I, I like it because I think this is the torrenting thing. Like, no, they would not have bought it for yeah. full price. That's the story I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like in music, we have a really strong third, like independent option in Spotify that's currently kicking ass, but um, may struggle if they don't keep it up because um, they don't they can't subsidize their existence with all these other arms of being a giant corporation <laughs> like Apple or Google or you know Microsoft even could do. Um, so I'm, I'm rooting for Spotify, even though I haven't always used them. Would you, so with these family plans, let's say on Apple or Google, and it's already this way on Spotify, you, you weren't giving them access to make purchases with your credit card, but you have to do some kind of weird family verification, some, well, Spotify made them add license. my address, and I just told them what my address was. So that's a slight, like, I'm not going to tell complete strangers right. where I live, but I'll trust my friends. What, what if that. it was something a little harder, like a, a driver's license with the same last name? Like something, I know obviously that wouldn't really yeah, work. Yeah, people get married and change yeah. their names. But, and, but if it was something that was more difficult to forge or you know a little bit more reliable in terms of accuracy because anybody could look your address up in the phone book yeah right but um i mean are like, there official would, would you, lists of families <laughs> not that i'm well depends on what religion you are <laughs> but like would you feel like that was them overstepping their bounds or would you feel like no they know that people are doing what you're doing i mean it'd be like i wouldn't have much moral weight to be like you're not allowed hey don't do that (laughs) but i worry that the entire purpose of it would be defeated by making it difficult for families who may not be tech savvy isn't that the drm story (laughs) yeah it's basically legal game acquired can't play it because the drm checker's broken well i'm glad google's on board with family sharing because it makes sense it's a good idea well and for you and shelby like, if you ever get a Chromecast, or do you have a Chromecast? Nope. I didn't think so. But if you ever get one, you know, occasionally you get free movies, or maybe you'll just notice, like, a promo they're having, and you're like, oh, this movie's half as expensive here as it is on, you know, yeah. on iTunes or whatever. Like, it doesn't cost you anything to have the sharing turned on, and it works across devices. Yeah. So you could just turn it on, like, in the instance it benefits you in some way. (laughs) Or, like, if you ever decide to go back to Android and, like, then you know any apps you purchase she could use. Yeah. Like, it's – there's some some legit perks to having it just be, like, a blanket thing where it's just like, yeah, I'm saying this person's in my family. So from now on, like, anything I buy – Yeah, yeah, this long tail of investment. Yeah. And that was actually my biggest concern when I turned it on and she didn't immediately get access. She, Susan, not she, your wife. (laughs) When I first turned on uh, the sharing, the family sharing, and Susan opened uh, Play Movies and she didn't see my library, I was like, oh no, it's not retroactive because of the content deals. Those content deals were made in a time when... They didn't have this feature, so they can't forcibly opt all those people in. 
obviously that's not the case since that stuff all showed up. Um, I don't know if they had to rework those deals or if they had secretly made loophole provisions to begin with or whatever. But I was for, for like that hour or two before everything showed up, I was like, this is the opposite of what I wanted because <laughs> I'm not going to rebuy this stuff. Yeah. If that's even possible, it's going to be stupid for her to buy it. So there's going to be like gaps between our library. Yeah. And it's, and I know it's bad to make the physical digital world analogy, but just imagine if you walked up to the bookshelf on Shelby's side of the, the living room and you went to reach for one of her books and like your hand went through it yeah. and you're just like, Oh, this is one of those books I'm not allowed to touch. Yeah. So it's incorporeal to me, <laughs> but uh, the future's awesome. <laughs> the future is awesome. Fortunately, this seems to be straightened out. Um, we haven't shared any apps or games cause. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not going to be as valuable because a lot of, uh, great apps and services are going subscription model anyway so you're going to have separate subscriptions probably for certain things uh, like if you, I, if you were big evernote people yeah it, it wouldn't matter that oh i get the app well the app was free <laughs> the app does nothing <laughs> and yeah maybe some games are still upfront purchases but even there there's a lot of like hey the game costs pretty much nothing although i can't imagine over time seeing the perk to that where I'm like, because I'm, we all know I'm going back to Android, <laughs> and Su- Susan never left. But I, I can imagine, like, you know, you tell me about a game, or I read about a game on Reddit or something. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try this, and it's fun enough that I would like Susan to try it, but not be like, hey, do you want to like carry my phone around for a couple days and see if you like <laughs> this, or do you want to spend five dollars on it and see if you like it? And I mean, I, I don't want to cheat good developers out of money but if i go into a like a i don't know a GameStop or whatever not eb games they're gone but if i go into you know a game store and i buy a physical disc like my wife can play it you know my kids can play it i can loan it to someone like i've got your uncharted four discs sitting upstairs and it's just this is why i don't really feel bad saying like well yeah i share it with my wife like she lives in my house yeah like we we we're allowed to share purchases so you're cheating. You're a bad person. Just with Spotify. Just with Spotify. And they're, they're a foreign power invading the United States. Aren't they a British company? <laughs> I don't even think they're British. I thought they were like some other European country. Non-American. <laughs> so I'm not a patriot now? <laughs> no. Well, I guess you kind of are because you're sticking it to a foreign power. So. Uh, Stockholm, Sweden. They also have a headquarters in England. Okay. Um, yeah, so no, you're actually a super patriot because you're sticking it to dem foreigners. Daniel Eck, the previous CEO of MewTorrent and BitTorrent. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> That's probably an interesting Wikipedia article <laughs> describing his history. Um, but yeah, they came from Sweden. Yeah. Sweden. Sweden. Uh, I have no idea how to do a Swiss accent, a Swedish accent. A, a swish dish. Well, then you should try right now. <laughs> <laughs> right now, go. Um, I do want to get your thoughts on hardware as a service. Just like the e-machines that used to be at <laughs> Staples in the, like the 90s. <laughs> I had a friend when I was a kid who had a like tricked out e-machine <laughs> where he'd bought like aftermarket graphics cards and like souped it up. 
So from the so you outside, replace the Celeron processor. That was probably in it. yeah, and put like more RAM in it or whatever. But I just remember on the top of the tower, it had an a little like watch face style LCD readout that said the processor speed. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time when you know I was like nine, I was like, man, that is so cool. One hundred thirty three megahertz. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, why on earth would you do that? <laughs> like a sticker, you know, like a Pentium inside sticker. Yeah. But, but like a power using LCD screen <laughs> yeah. on the side. And it was probably just hard coded. It wasn't actually like receiving oh, information yeah. Yeah. from. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it was getting like actual live updates. Like, oh, right now it's only 130. You, you overclocked it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're up to 135, guys. <laughs> we're doing great. We're, we're above expectations. So no, not 90s not, hardware as a service. Not that. Uh, this is a program from Microsoft to uh, basically say to businesses, we're already going to sell you software as a service. Why don't we just also sell you our hardware? So you'll give your employees Surface tablets and, and I guess Surface books if you're crazy. And then occasionally we'll just like take those back and give you new ones. And... This to me sounds super brilliant. Well, it's already what Dell and other OEMs do for Windows machines anyway. That yes, right. <laughs> well, so in looking into this a little bit, it seems like HP and Dell and and I don't know Compaq like they don't exist anymore. I don't know Com- uh, Compaq. Really, they're totally gone. Have you seen anything compact related? I haven't touched a PC in a little while. I think they got bought by someone. Who am I thinking of a different company? I don't know. Any of these companies that traditionally sell to oh compact.com. They were acquired by HP and the brand was retired in 2013. Okay. Yeah. Tim Tim Cook came from compact, I think. Good for him. (laughs) That's quite a step up. Um, but the any of these companies, you know, like IBM clones back in the day that had an agreement ongoing with a company where they're like, oh, we'll sell you 100 computers for your 100 employees. And then in three years, when it's time to upgrade them, come back and we'll give you like a loyalty discount or whatever. And you'll get new machines or, you know, whatever. I'm sure yeah. there's 10,000 versions of the same stupid contract. I like this a little bit more because it's, I feel like it's wearing on its sleeve a bit more honestly. It's just saying like, hey, here's a loaner machine. Uh, You don't own this. This is not yours. But in like two years, we'll take it back and give you a better one. And we'll like responsibly recycle it or donate it to a school or do whatever. But it's, it's a lot more honest. And we've talked about this so much with software. Like when you buy you know, a Kindle book, like technically Amazon can erase that Kindle book. You have Spotify subscription, but you don't own any of that music. Like we don't own any of the movies right. on Netflix, right? They could just all go away at any time. So let's, what, let's just do that with hardware. Like it doesn't, even though it's a physical object, the, the company doesn't need to own it. They just need access to it. And we've seen like even certain phone companies are starting to do this with consumer, like, I think you can pay Apple 30 bucks a month and just get a new iPhone like every 18 months or something. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I don't remember the interval. It might even be annually. Um, but wow. it's like, it's I mean, it, basically, it, it, it works out to the cost of an iPhone plus Apple Care. 
um, pretty much. So you're not really saving anything, but you're not thinking about the hardware anymore. It's just next year, give me a new one. See, and that's, I don't think saving money is the objective here. I think it's saving like brain cycles because I have been on committees in academic institutions I've worked for where they had like a very stable budget. They had a very stable update cycle, which is cool if you're an employee because it's like, hey, you know, every two years you're going to get a new desktop right. or you, you know, next time you'll be able to choose a laptop if you want a laptop instead of a desktop because there was a desktop when you got hired or whatever. Yeah. But instead of it actually being like an 18 month refresh cycle or a 24 month, it's okay, when we get to 24 months, we have to have six months of meetings <laughs> to talk about which beige we want to get. And like, oh, does everybody get the same laptop or do they yeah, get to choose? Yeah, because we get a discount. Screw you. We're right. all getting this. Yeah. yeah, does everybody get a 22-inch external monitor or should we do the smaller one and then do two of them? Or like, it's, I just, I don't want to ever do that again. Like, I don't ever <laughs> want to have that discussion around a big table in a conference room particularly not with people who are techie, but who get the machine. So they feel like they have something to contribute to the discussion. It's like, no, you don't know anything about what you need to do your job. Like you're not dumb. This is just not your area of expertise. <laughs> and some of you are dumb. Um, but it's always someone who's dumb. I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting old. Like, don't you, if given the option, kind of love the opportunity to spend a little bit more money and save a lot more time and effort? Well, for work and especially for, I mean, we have this like caricature of office man that needs to email and create <laughs> spreadsheets and presentations. But um, that is a like a large part of the Venn diagram of professionals where it's like, yeah, you're not in a niche. You're not doing like my motion graphic stuff or... You know, you need to compile programs and it really matters that you have the best processor or, or some kind of um, stack you can send the, the code to to do that faster. It's like, oh, literally, we're just a bunch of people that need decent laptops that don't break, that have nice screens, that let us do what we need to do, hook up to a projector, and we're done. Yeah. And the surfaces, even the tablety ones, let alone the, the laptop one, are good machines. Yeah perfectly serviceable for probably even us for most of what we do but then yeah. we have specific things we're nitpicky about like the os <laughs> just really strong work um, take that microsoft um but yeah this this is you mentioned you think Apple has something like this for businesses or they're getting ready to. For iPads with IBM. So they. So. There's like an iPad something as a service kind of thing. And it, but it's the hardware, not just software from IBM through like some weird Apple agreement. Don't know. Okay. Because I, I can. It was a comment on this article in TechCrunch. So oh, geez. it's hearsay. But I, I can imagine any company that wants to do business with businesses trying to do something like this. Um, and, you know, to give Microsoft some credit, the Surface is definitely trying to compete with the iPad in the hearts and minds of people. But guts-wise, it is way closer to a traditional laptop than it is oh, to an yeah. iPad. So a Surface that only gets refreshed every two to three years would still be, like, serviceable at the end of that time. 
for someone who's like a heavy iOS user, a three-year-old iPad is a doorstop <laughs> because it's gotten three years of iOS updates. It's bogged down with all kinds yeah. of nonsense. Your yeah, friends have newer ones, so there's the perception that yours is worse. We'd need to see the maturing of, like, it feels like iOS devices are where laptops were for a long time, where three years was ancient for laptops. But somewhere in the 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 i5, i7, like, Intel processors, like the maybe Haswell when the battery life got good, <laughs> like, since then, it's kind of been fine. Yeah. You can have a 2010 MacBook as long as it has an SSD and you're fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, even for, unless you're doing like hardcore gaming or video rendering, yeah. like a, a six-year-old computer right now is not an unreasonable way to live your life, Yeah, which is and kind that's of the, amazing. The plateauing of <laughs> notebook hardware and... I mean, we had a whole conversation in the car the other day about Apple's abandonment of updating their Macs, <laughs> even down to their notebooks. God, they hate, they just hate their own, like, successful laptop product so much. <laughs> Let alone their desktops, which are... They don't make desktops. <laughs> they can't credibly claim they make... No. They abandoned the Mini, they abandoned the Pro, the Pro and the iMac is an all-in-one. It's an all-in-one with laptop parts in it. Yeah. With the the only thing you can say about the iMac is the screens are amazing, but they other are. than that, it's like. But Dell also makes amazing screens that will plug into a MacBook. Yeah, and you get basically the same effect. Yeah, but this this is why I think Microsoft could actually probably do pretty well with this. You have a company that's already using like Office three sixty five. You have a company that's already used to running Windows as their operating system. The services are. If you like Windows, the service is a very nice device. It's a good way to run Windows. Yeah, it, it, it's like, I almost wish this had been a device back when I still used Windows, because this might have made me be like, no, this is fine, I like this. this <laughs> but it's too little too late, Microsoft. But um, For, for a, a dat business... Dat not Unix, though. <laughs> dat not Unix. D dot Nix, uh, or star, just, star Nix. I wonder what the Linux desktop communities like for surfaces because it's an it seemed like it'd be a good lightning rod for my guess would be that it's really bad because yeah. around the time of windows 8 i think they switched to efi which makes it's just a big middle finger to <laughs> basically a big middle finger to linux and it just makes booting anything that's not windows on their hardware a huge pain in the ass God. i'm sure i'm absolutely positive there are ways around it but you should just get a MacBook. <laughs> or just buy random yeah. off-the-shelf parts and build yourself some kind of super magical machine yeah. that runs Ubuntu. There, there's got to be 10,000 websites that are like, if you want to build a machine that runs this Nix OS, buy these parts. Yeah. Buy this graphics card, buy this processor, buy this motherboard. It's like the Hackintosh guides, too, if you want to go generic yeah. hardware and run OS ten. Except um, probably even more rare. Does this... Uh, it sounds like you you love the concept. Does Surface as a service really matter to you personally? It matters to me personally because if this became successful as a business model and like Apple cloned this or, you know, if Dell, like I've kind of waffled on the idea of getting like a Dell developer laptop that just runs Ubuntu, but it's officially supported. Yeah. But I would, I could imagine paying some company like, you know, I don't know, a hundred dollars a month or whatever it would work out to. And then just saying like, okay, if you drop it, we'll send you another one in two years, you send it back to us and we'll send you a better one. Yeah. Like that's, 
That's pretty damn enticing because I've gotten really married to my softwares as a service. Yeah, and it's easy to predict that you'll be using computers for your work till you die. Yeah, I think it's till you die. Yeah, yeah. This uh, for the foreseeable future, certainly. Um, hopefully, I mean, unless we get like super brain implants or something, I don't see it. I don't see the traditional computing experience and I'm including tablets and things in this, you know, like keyboard, touch screens, mice, like stuff is all pretty stable for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't imagine they would ever be able to bake you into something unless you were a business where it's more than like a two to five year agreement. And it's definitely safe over that length of time. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen in the next five years where I'm like, laptops are dead to me forever. I will never use or touch or think about one again. That's just not in the next five years, maybe 10, but almost definitely longer than that. Even, um, I mean, we've had the iPad now for almost what? Seven years. Came out in 2010, 2010. Okay. So we're, we're coming up on its seventh year and laptops still exist. Mm-hmm. And there are huge swaths of people who do not feel like tablets are even useful, yeah. let alone able to replace their main machine. It, it's really, I think, rarer than common that new technology outright replaces something. It's, oh, yeah. It's always that old thing's still here yeah. and maybe even still completely truck it along at full speed. <laughs> and, oh, they're coexisting. And I mean, it's... Yeah, maybe the car and the the horse powered carriage. <laughs> I don't know. I still see a lot of horse drawn carriages <laughs> on my way to work on the highway going seventy miles an hour. <laughs> horses, man. Just, once they got those flubber shoes, uh, but I mean, like, would you? You have a, a nice MacBook there. It's not yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, would you send Apple, you know, a hundred dollars a month, or let them deduct a hundred dollars a month to just? always have a working up-to-date macbook i don't know i mean i mean i'm i'm picking a hundred dollars a month arbitrarily but yeah so 1200 a year every two years you get a new macbook that's a good deal if you get a pro mac sure um maybe maybe <laughs> you don't sound sold on the ideas hardware well, as a service. The, the macbooks in particular we've seen like can last a long time. So if you run the numbers, you can be like, hey, I'm going to take care of this thing. I'm going to lose money if so, I do it. So that's the crux of this is, would you have upgraded at that two-year yeah. mark if think, you weren't forced to by your subscription? If if I see my Mac as, I don't know, maybe no matter how I see it, but um, I would think I'd be more the game of buy the best upgraded especially because you have to buy them from apple like just max it out or near max it out and then take care of that thing and run with it for five years and then buy whatever is the absolute best option at that time but yeah so different maybe, ways to do it maybe maybe just take the mid-range and upgrade often <laughs> yeah so maybe at the consumer level this is less like the individual consumer level this makes less sense and because of the bizarreness of how Apple is treating their notebooks, it makes even less sense coming from them. Well, we've, and even though I mentioned the iPhone program, it's, we've weirdly seen that like the contract model for phones has kind of gone away, and now you just buy phones outright, and your service is still a monthly fee, but it's kind of and like you can have a payment plan for paying off your phone, but it's no longer one thing. It's like, right. oh, here's your device subsidy, and here's yeah, and. It seems like they haven't settled on anything. Yeah. 
Yeah, the phone upgrade plan is problematic because they sort of leave it up to the consumer to be like, oh, it's time for me to upgrade my phone. I mean, they push you a little bit because it used to mean re-signing a contract, yeah. but they were still charging you as if you were still paying on the phone. Yeah, they're just like very happy to keep taking your money. Yeah, so there there was some like subsidy shadiness, or not subsidy, like a, uh, a payment shadiness. Because they rolled it all into this is the bill. Right. And so it wasn't line item. How much is going to the phone? A portion. How, how much zero well, now well, yeah, well a portion yeah it's it's i mean i don't miss that at all i like if i can i like buying phones outright and if not like t-mobile actually says this is how much of your bill is going toward the phone yeah this is when the phone will be completely paid off and they do and you're welcome APR. yeah at&t is the same way now so. yeah I think Verizon might be one of the only ones left that's still like, no, we'll we'll just handle it. <laughs> just send us a bunch of money and we'll make sure your phone gets Great. paid for. <laughs> Great. I may I may have just thrown them under the bus for no legitimate reason. But they're Verizon, so screw them. Um but you you don't uh you don't seem married to this idea, like particularly not for consumers. Do you think it at least makes sense for a business? Yeah, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to a business who has employees that break things or, you know, it would be a nice perk maybe, if especially if depending on the details of what hardware you get and how often to be able to like, hey, work for us and you'll have recent hardware at all times. Right. We're not going to make you run around with some old truck. Well, I am broadly assuming that this plan isn't like, we'll give you one step up from the worst you can buy yeah. in the Microsoft Store. 128 SSD. <laughs> 16 gig SSD. <laughs> two gigs of RAM. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the the machine is something you would want. Like, if you were yeah. going to pay for it outright. At least an i5. Probably an i5. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're probably... Um, commiserate is that the right word they're probably commiserate with what they would just normally sell you in bulk they're now doing it as a subscription not necessarily to make more money but to get more loyalty so it's like oh in three years there's no question that you're going to get a new round of services you're not going to maybe switch to max when it makes economic sense that it could be a win-win where it's not just, hey, we're tricking you into buying more of our machines, but it's more like, hey, we're guaranteeing a level of income and revenue. Right. And so we can pass along these savings for the the less uncertainty in our forecast of how we're doing with the surface business. Yeah. I mean, that's why everybody loves as a service. Yeah. It's like, oh, once we have the contract signed, this is now a known quantity. Yeah. We don't have to say like, we're hoping to sell 10,000 units a month. It's like, no, we already sold them. Same for the business side. Like they know they're controlling the cost of their hardware within a certain range and they're going to provide what they need to. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why I even just as an individual, I like having certain subscription services because I'm like, as long as I feel like I'm getting, you know, $10 yeah. a month or $5 a month worth of value out of this, it's good forever. And I can predict yeah. the cost into the future for an infinite amount of time. Yeah, and like Netflix recently kicked off all the grandfathered like seven ninety nine <laughs> price people. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm still subscribing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, uh, I just got my renewal notice for um, Todoist the to-do app that I use and it's 
I don't remember the exact amount, but it's like $45 a year or something. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, absolutely. I use this multiple times a day, every single day. Like I don't even completely worth it. Yeah. I would, I don't want them to charge me more, but I would probably spend more cause it's just something I get a lot of value out of. Um, much like Netflix. Um, anything else to say about this before we put a bow on it? Nah, I'm good. All right. You can find the show notes as always for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash one three one for the hundred thirty first thirteen first. How would Bilbo say that? The thirteen first episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as always, I just want you to keep trying things, <laughs> you just keep floundering, flopping around. Um, you can find both of us most easily on the Twitters. I am at lines and beta, and Mike, you are at pseudo Michael. S-U-D-O. Yeah, S-U-D-O, Michael. Unix style. <laughs> um, super user do, Michael. Uh, but we have actually, I've been really enjoying the subreddit. I think you've been getting in there. You're, mm-hmm. you're kind of up in the air right now with your, <laughs> your living schedule, but you've still been getting in there a lot. Um, it's just, you know, reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables, and we put a new post in there for every episode, so there's dedicated place to talk about that and we need more of you in there get in there i agree yeah the people who are in there are like totally killing it so this time if you made it this far in the episode (laughs) you have to go to our subreddit if you don't have a reddit account you have to make one they're free yeah (laughs) it doesn't have to be your name you can be a complete stranger and then you can say some joke about how you're mad at me or something (laughs) i agree everyone create a reddit account and say you're mad at mike on the 131st episode uh, thread um but yeah, it's it's just cool like be able to have an ongoing back and forth because we even with some of these dedicated people that were on Twitter, like Twitter just does not facilitate this kind of conversation. No, because unless you're following each other, you just don't see each other's comments about it. Yeah, it's just not as good. So Reddit is cool for that. Um, if you want to support us a little bit, some things you can do besides going to Reddit and creating an account and harassing Mike is uh, subscribe to the show. And if you want to go a little bit above that and you want to leave us a rating or review in iTunes that helps it come up in search, helps other people find it and know that it's a quality product that they can feel comfortable taking home to meet their parents. Um, it really is, uh, it takes like a couple seconds, but it, it helps out quite a bit. Uh, if you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And depending on the level you support us at, you might get your name shouted out at the end of this show or every show on the network. So with that, I want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Cunningham as a Service, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, Justin Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. We love you all so much. We could not do this without you. See you next week. See you next week. So now do I bitch about Comcast?